section two of the rover volume one number eleven this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the rover volume one number eleven edited by seba smith and lawrence labrie section two caroline howard a story of the revolution it may not be unnecessary to state that throughout our revolutionary struggle the conflicting interests and feelings of two great political parties agitated this country from lake champlain to georgia that intestine commotions and divisions distracted the operations of the disbelievers in regal and parliamentary supremacy and that in addition to the horrors ordinarily attendant on defensive war the friends of civil and religious liberty had to contend in many instances with neighbors friends and brothers the war which secured our independence as is well known was waged for a long time with but precarious prospects of a fortunate termination many intelligent and honest men doubted the practicability of such a disjunction others entertained an affection almost filial for the mother country and regarded with parricidal horror all endeavors to sever this branch from the parent stock and others still from pusillanimous or mercenary motives remained inert and kept aloof awaiting the issue of the contest under a conviction that whoever gained the ascendancy they could unite with the dominant power and thus preserve their lives and property from hazard there were not wanting those also who advocated the doctrine of passive obedience and non-resistance they conceived the prerogative of the king to be indisputable and believed that any edict promulgated by a parliament and sanctioned by the royal signature was entitled to implicit obedience this class of politicians were designated by their opponents as tories they however applied to themselves the less opprobrious epithet of loyalists on the other hand those who actuated by the pure spirit of patriotism strenuously resisted injurious oppression were stigmatized as rebels and proscribed as traitors the concurrent causes which moved the latter so as to take such immediate and efficient interest in this momentous conflict have been fully detailed by our historians but may well be glanced at here at the close of the french war in seventeen seventy five the national debt of great britain amounted to nearly one hundred and fifty millions sterling for which an enormous sum was annually paid as interest while the british ministry were digesting schemes for reducing this intolerable burden they conceived the idea of creating a permanent revenue in the colonies from imposts to be levied by the english parliament great britain argued that the late contest originated on account of the american colonies that it was right especially as it had ended in a manner so conducive to their interests that they should assist in liquidating the expenses they had accrued to this proposition the, the provincials were willing to accede provided they could be represented in the parliament they believed the chief excellence of the british constitution to consist in guaranteeing to the subject a voice in the enactment of those laws by which he was to be governed the parliament considered it as the climax of contumacy for the colonists to refuse obedience to laws which in england were received with unhesitating submission and to the rigorous and impolitic measures adopted by the king and his ministers to enforce these laws and to quell the turbulent and refractory spirit of the american people may be attributed the emancipation of those united states from the thraldom of british tyranny 
throughout the greater part of the campaign of seventeen seventy six and subsequent to the evacuation of new york by the american troops under general washington the prospects of liberty exhibited a saddening gloom the continental army consisting only of a few thousand men and those destitute of clothing and every convenience of life was reduced to a cipher when compared with the disciplined ranks of england after the signal victories of trenton and princeton new life and vigor was infused into the breasts of the almost despairing friends of freedom and the capture of lieutenant-general burgoyne at saratoga in seventeen seventy seven whose talents were well known and whose enterprising spirit and thirst for military renown could scarcely be equalled while it excited the americans to great efforts by affording them hopes of ultimate success confirmed the wavering and the heightened the embarrassment of the english ministry who had so vainly endeavoured to enslave the colonists on a fine afternoon during the interesting period last mentioned two horsemen were slowly winding their way along the road which leads to the town of ridgefield they were both young and their appearance such as would ensure them attention in any society the eldest was near twenty-eight in stature approaching the colossal with quick piercing eyes a neck firm and erect chest expanding shoulders square and muscular arms long no cumbrous flesh about the body but the whole frame braced with well-compacted sinews add to this a soldier-like bearing a huge avalet on his right shoulder and other corresponding equipments matchless skill and address in managing a strong black charger and you will have an accurate idea of a continental officer the other was two or three years younger than his companion and of less powerful dimensions but of well-knit sinewy limbs and calculated to endure great hardships and privations the beast he bestrode was a meddlesome narragansett nag that pawed the earth and caracoled to all sides of the road almost at once evidently disliking the snail-like pace at which his rider held him the conversation of the riders which partook deeply of the spirit of the times was renewed as the horses came abreast of each other in a wider pass of the road even now said he on the black horse i have the most undoubted reasons for believing there are confederacies existing the object of which is to displace washington and put in his place the englishman gates admitting such to be the fact captain edwards said the other what objections have you to urge against the hero of saratoga why sir gates lacks every requisite which ought to characterize a commander-in-chief the only quality which he possesses is a brutal daredevil courage which a general officer had better want than have but resumed the other is not your favorite washington deficient in spirit and energy i tell you lieutenant brown rejoined captain edwards rather impetuously that horatio gates will no more compare with george washington in mental energy and military science than lord cornwallis with the duke of marlborough green is infinitely superior to gates and in the event of the death of washington but such a calamity may heaven avert he alone i believe could conduct our intricate affairs to a fortunate result and the victory of saratoga where all your heroes laurels were won was gained more by the valor address and experience of arnold brooks and morgan than by any skill on the part of general gates this i cannot grant said the subaltern arnold brooks and morgan were undoubtedly brave accomplished and gallant officers but their orders all originated with their commander and consequently the capture of burgoyne must have been the effect of the deep-laid plans and skilful manoeuvring of general gates 
i perceive returned the captain that this is a subject on which we shall never agree and its discussion may elicit offensive observations and if you please we will discontinue it entirely with all my heart said lieutenant brown but it is now some time past meridian and i think a little aliment might tend to benefit the animal system we are but a short ride from the house of mrs humphreys and she will be happy to furnish refreshment and shelter to two soldiers of liberty indeed said the lieutenant laughing report says that the dwelling of that lady possesses attractions for the gallant captain independent of the good cheer afforded by the hospitable mistress of the mansion i do not understand you sir said the captain drawing himself up somewhat haughtily why to be plain captain said brown tis said that the bright eyes of the fair niece of mrs humphreys are the cause of your frequent visits to her house though i highly esteem miss howard said the captain coldly i permit no one to indulge themselves in such freedom as to associate my name with that of any lady but rejoined the lieutenant you must allow that the smiles of this beautiful and accomplished girl have had their influence on your past conduct i cannot admit any such inference nor will the premises justify this conclusion as the colloquy ended the horseman spurred onward and soon arrived in view of the residence of mrs humphreys which was situated on a gentle acclivity accessible by a long avenue skirted on either side with tall poplars and defended at the extremity by a slight wooden gate on entering this avenue old scipio came running toward them with a brow darkened a number of shades by his agitation and grasping the bridle of captain edwards horse exclaimed oh for heaven's mercy good master edwards don't go to the house what the devil's the matter ejaculated the captain as he endeavoured to disengage the hold of the negro mistress has gone clean stracted began the african because young miss caroline what of her speak out in the fiend's name said captain edwards evincing much greater emotion than he had hitherto betrayed you stop me sir i must tell my story in my own way said scipio proceed with it then with a murrain to you said lieutenant brown impatiently or by heaven i'll beat it out of you with the flat of my sword well then said the negro angrily the tory captain lewis came to our house last night with some sodgers and carried off miss caroline the young hung villain muttered captain edwards from between his clenched teeth and then compelling himself to speak more calmly he said brown my dear fellow return directly to the camp and meet me at stoffel's tavern with sergeant watkins and a dozen trusty soldiers the scoundrel cannot escape me i know every tory haunt between here and the hudson i must go to the house and console the afflicted mrs humphreys the subaltern struck his spurs into the flank of his steed and hastened to execute the orders of his superior the captain rode up the lane saying to himself i always knew that lewis was a consummate rascal but this daring outrage almost passes belief and what object the french can expect to accomplish i cannot conceive caroline has the spirit of elizabeth of england and all attempts to gain her love by possessing himself of her person will only excite her contempt and if he dares even to meditate an injury to that loveliest of her sex his life shall pay the forfeit he had now reached the house and throwing his bridle to a servant entered without ceremony as he had anticipated he found mrs humphreys 
in an indescribable state of grief her health was delicate and this unexpected calamity had prostrated her physical and mental energies after offering a few encouraging words which produced but a very slight effect he remounted his horse and rode rapidly to the place of rendezvous here he met lieutenant brown a sergeant corporal and ten privates all finely armed and equipped and prepared to brave any danger and incur any hazard in the service of a commander in whom they had the most unbounded confidence he instantly placed himself at their head and proceeded on his expedition it was now dark their road lay along the margin of a small stream bounded on the one side by half-cultivated fields and on the other by a thick gloomy forest in which the death-like silence of its dark bosom was only broken by the occasional howl of its savage tenants after pursuing their course for some distance along the bank of this rivulet now traversing the ground on its very margin and then again carried by the windings of the path miles from the stream they came to a sharp angle in the road on turning which the captain being a short distance in advance of the troops discovered a figure slightly defined but yet bearing some resemblance to the human species stealing along the side of the path apparently wishing to avoid observation striking his spurs into his horse and drawing his sword at the same time the captain had the person completely in his power before the other had time to offer either flight or resistance for whom are you was demanded by captain edwards in no gentle accents i'm nay just free to say replied the stranger thus rudely interrogated with a true caledonian evasion answer me at once returned the captain which party do you favour ye might have the civility to give me a gentle hint which side ye belang to said sawney no circumlocution rejoined the soldier sternly inform me immediately are you a mercenary of the tyrant of england or a friend to liberty your life depends on your answer aweel then said the scotchman firmly sin ye will have it by my saul i won't go to heaven with a lie in my mouth i'm wigged to the backbone ye carline now do your worst and be hanged till ye well pleased was the american captain to discover so staunch a friend when he had every reason to expect an enemy and after furnishing him with a pistol and advising him to avoid the scouting parties of the enemy by keeping in the wood he again proceeded on his expedition they soon reached a fork in the road one branch led into the recesses of the wood and the other lay still farther along the banks of the stream when the captain calling lieutenant brown a little distance from the troop said a few miles ride will carry us to the encampment of a party of these tories i wish to reconnoitre the position of the enemy and shall take the road which leads into the wood for that purpose while you with the soldiers will ride on the other road till you arrive within sight of the enemy and then return to this point which shall be our place of rendezvous in the meantime i wish you to avoid coming to any engagement with the tories but in case you hear me fire two pistol shots you may believe me to be in danger and hasten to my relief to command was to be obeyed with captain edwards and soon no sound was heard save the slow and regular tread of the horses of the soldiers under command of lieutenant brown leaving the republican soldiers for a time we now turn our attention to the partisan tory who had entered the house of mrs humphreys like a robber and forcibly carried off miss howard james lewis was a loyal officer of much celebrity of english extraction and bred in the principles of entire acquiescence in the orders of the british ministry he beheld the struggles of the aggrieved colonists 
with contempt he saw the inhabitants rising about him in various parts of the country with feelings of bitter malignancy and he determined to exert himself to the utmost to crush these evidences of rebellion in the outset moved by this inveteracy he accepted a captain's commission in the english army and fought for a time under the banners of general clinton with success worthy of a better cause but taking offence at some imperious order of his commander he threw up his commission in disgust and retired to his native village near the river hudson here collecting about him a few choice spirits like himself he kept the inhabitants in a continual state of alarm by his plundering and rapacious conduct acting as he pretended under the orders of the king the tories durst not oppose him and the whigs were too few in numbers to resist his foraging excursions with any prospect of success in his youth he had been a school companion of captain edwards but their principles were widely dissimilar and little intercourse had taken place between them in after life they embraced different sides and the tory disliked the whig for his virtues and envied him his good name in one of his marauding expeditions he became acquainted with miss howard and discovering the interest the republican had in her affections he determined to get her into his power for the purpose of holding a check on the whig officer whom he equally feared and hated a libertine in principle and a profligate in practice he scrupled at no means to attain his object and a violent attack on the peaceful dwelling of a defenceless woman was as consonant with his views as robbing a hen-roost the dwelling of this renegade was situated on a small elevation on the bank of the river hudson his peculiar occupation and the state of affairs in the country had rendered it necessary for him to fortify and strengthen his house and at the time referred to it resembled what it in fact was the rendezvous of a band of lawless desperadoes in the principal room of the building was the villain captain with three of his officers seated round a decayed deal table playing cards on one end of the table stood a dirty decanter partly filled with apple brandy three or four cracked dingy tumblers were scattered over the table and the rest of the furniture of the apartment was in keeping with what has been described in a corner of the room sat a lovely girl apparently in the depth of wretchedness her long raven curls hung in luxuriant profusion down her snowy neck her veil thrown carelessly aside exposed to view a high clear receding forehead dark arched eyebrows mild hazel eyes shaded by long delicate lashes a complexion of brilliant transparency the whole face possessing that regularity of feature which constitutes beauty but not that cast of countenance which subjects the person to the charge of insipidity the natural expression of her face was of buoyant gladsome mirth but now the calm lustre of her dark eyes was quenched in anguish she occasionally cast furtive glances at the captain and then toward a small window which was firmly barricaded but seeing no prospect of escape she relapsed again into hopeless sorrow groups of blackguard soldiers were seated on stools in different parts of the room many of them following the example of their officers and others amusing themselves with burnishing their muskets and equipments after numerous potations from his bottle the captain started up reeling under the influence of the liquor and addressing a ruffian-looking officer one of his boon companions lieutenant jocelyn have the drum beat to arms and take these lazy knaves and scour the woods for a few miles around and cut down or make prisoner every rebel rascal you meet leave soldiers enough however to guard the old castle quick blast me no hesitation huh muttered the old soldiers ready 
enough to run his comrades into the noose but devilish careful to keep his own delectable person out of danger ha what say you you old grumbler you shall stay here and guard the lady if you are so much afraid of your beautiful self and i will take command of the men the lieutenant liked this proposition still worse than the former but seeing no alternative obeyed in silence in a short time the captain accompanied by about twenty men including a sergeant and two corporals left their camp and proceeded toward the wood it was nightfall when they reached the forest through which the road was very narrow and circuitous they were travelling along the path in double files when the sergeant in front ordered a halt why do we stop here roared the captain when it is as dark as egypt i hear a noise like the trampling of horses said the sergeant hiss then said captain lewis and draw up the men into a body and await their arrival in silence the horses footsteps were now distinctly heard but it was a solitary horseman whom these worthy soldiers were to encounter when he arrived within speaking distance the sergeant advanced a few paces in front of the soldiers and exclaimed stand stand or you are a dead man the horsemen evinced no disposition to comply with this arbitrary requisition but deliberately drew a pistol from his holsters and endeavoured to urge his horse through the ranks of his opponents captain lewis now came to the front of his men and ordered seize the bridle and down with the rebel let no man lay a hand on me or on my horse as he values his life said the horseman in a determined tone at the same time cocking his pistol the sergeant drew back for a few yards and discharged his carbine but without effect two soldiers grasped the horse by the head at the same instant the horseman seeing a struggle inevitable literally blew out the brains of one of his assailants and plucking his other pistol from its socket with his left hand and fired at and slightly wounded his second antagonist he now threw aside his pistols etc and then drew his heavy broadsword and essayed to cut his way through his opponents but giant strength combined with the most desperate courage could not successfully compete with such vast disparity of numbers some of his enemies fastened themselves on his horse while others thrust at him with their bayonets and after a protracted and furious contest during which the tories lost five men the horseman was disarmed and brought to the ground bind the rebel dog shouted the infuriated captain he shall die the death of a felon were he george washington by heaven continued he as he viewed the prostrate horseman it is captain edwards are then my dearest wishes gratified i will be doubly revenged bind him hand and foot boys and throw him across his own horse if the beast can bear him if not drive a bullet through the horse's brains and carry the soldier in your arms the whig officer was firmly bound and placed on his own charger while a soldier marched on either side of him and another led the horse after prosecuting their route homeward near a mile they were electrified with no quarter to the cowardly tories cut them down root and branch followed by the discharge of near a dozen pistols which killed four men and wounded two or three others and in a moment they were nearly surrounded by the dragoons under command of lieutenant brown for a short time the contest was maintained with vigour the bonds of captain edwards were soon cut and he attacked the tory captain sword in hand and after a short conflict succeeded in wounding him in the sword arm and hurling him to the ground and placing his foot on his breast he said now you dastardly ruffian avow your villainies and inform me where i shall find miss howard or by heaven's blue arch i will send you where the tenor of your life will be hard to account for the fierceness of the whig soldier's manner 
and the consciousness of being wholly in his power completely humbled the tory and he begged his life and promised to conduct the troops to his encampment where they would find the lady in safety the tories were now effectually routed some were killed some wounded others captured and some had escaped a few miles travel and captain edwards and the men under his command arrived at the habitation of the tories a coarse slovenly soldier was pacing the ground in front of the building and on the advance of the continental troops he presented his musket and ordered them to halt captain edwards briefly informed him of the reverse that had taken place in the fortunes of his commander and concluded by telling him that submission was safety resistance death the door was now burst open and in a moment miss howard was folded in the arms of her lover oh george cried the weeping girl as she endeavoured to extricate herself from his embrace i had almost despaired of relief i thought i was forsaken by all my friends and you with the rest forsake you never exclaimed he fervently as he again clasped her to his breast while life animates this body i believe you said she i was a wretch to doubt your constancy and perseverance but she added we must not remain here an instant my aunt will be in an agony till she hears of my deliverance the scene that ensued on the arrival of the rescued fair one at the house of her aunt may be imagined but cannot be accurately described the old lady nearly stifled her niece with caresses alternately thanking god and imploring blessings on the emancipator of the child of her hopes little more remains to be told no entreaties of captain edwards or persuasions of her aunt could induce miss howard to give her hand to her admirer till the close of the war on the establishment of peace colonel edwards for he had received that title was made happy in the possession of the object of his long-tried affection lieutenant brown served under his captain during the war and on the promotion of major edwards succeeded to his command the tory lewis and the remainder of his guilty accomplices were captured shortly after the occurrence of the above related transactions and executed for desertion end of section two